Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. We are starting a new series this morning, so if uh, you haven't been here in a while or if this is your first time, you picked a great Sunday to be here, and the series is called Traps, and we're going to talk about traps. Now, when I, when I say traps, um, I think most of us, well, I do anyways, I think, I think of stuff like this and that, because that was a trap as well. I think of stuff, stuff like this. It's a counter bear. If I hold this up, how many of you are like, I, you already knew what this was? Like, raise your hand, okay. How many of you had no clue what this was at all? All right, you're like, I'm not raising my hand. There's something wrong. All right, there's a lot of you that didn't. Okay, well, this, it, it's a trap. It, it is, and it's a, it's a counter bear, and it's kind of, it gets critters is what, it, is what it does. And when I say trap, this is kind of what we think. And so you're flinching thinking I might get my fingers, and, and I might. So <laughs> could be a bonus. But uh, here, here's what we've got is we get it all set up. Okay. Let's get the trigger inside there, and it looks like it's ready. And this is a trap. I'm going to put it right here, see if it'll stay there. Is it going to stay? It does. All right. So what this does is it's just kind of here and it's waiting. You'd, you'd typically, you'd, you put this like in an animal's hole and when it goes in, wham. That's, that, that's what it does. And so I've got a stick instead of my hand. <laughs> Did you think I was sticking my hand? Becca's like, what is he doing? I'm a little brighter than that. Not much. Not much. But that's what it's waiting for, is for someone to come in and, and the trap is set. And this is a trap, but this is not the type of trap that we're talking about today, because this type of trap, we, you, you recognize, and it should work. Let's see. There we go. We got it. And it snaps on the board, and it, it, it worked. But I don't really encounter these often. Any of you ever accidentally encountered one of these? <laughs> She's like, yes, I did. It hurts. No, but this isn't the type of trap that we're talking about today. Today, the type of trap that we're talking about are the types of traps that the devil, that the devil sets for you and for me, and he does. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it talks, and it says this about the devil. It says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. Okay, so what? What's going on? We don't want to be outsmarted. It says this, we are familiar with with his schemes, with his traps, his plans, the methods that he uses to try to get us. He tries to trap us. Because here's the deal. If he came at us head on, guess what? We win. We use the name of Jesus. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. We know how to resist the devil because Jesus showed us. He showed us exactly how to do it. When he was tempted in the wilderness, every time the devil came at him, he used God's word. So yeah, We win, not because of how spiritual we are or how much we prayed yesterday or today or what Bible verse we remember or don't remember, but because we use God's word. We win. So he doesn't come at us head on. Instead, he uses traps, kind of like this, but a little different. And one of the traps that he uses, that he loves to use, is this. Nothing happened, so it's okay. Nothing happened, so it's okay. Now, Michigan, we know we got, we got lots of lakes, we got water, we've got in the winter, we get ice on the lakes. But how do you know when the ice is thick enough to walk on? 
Well, if you have your buddy with you, you send them, right? <laughs> but if you don't have a buddy, then what do you do? Well, you, do you do one of these, don't you? You, kind of, you get to the edge and you're kind of like, you touch it a little bit, you're like, okay, that's pretty good. And then maybe you, you push a little bit farther out, put a little bit of weight out there. And then if that works, then you kind of like, you step, but you think light thoughts, right? You're like, and you step so lightly, and you're like, okay, I think I'm okay. You stop thinking those light thoughts, you're like, yeah, it's good. But before you just walk out of the middle, what do you do? Right? You start a little like shake, like, okay, is it good? Maybe. Yeah, everybody come out, it's safe. And then you run out on the ice. Because you know it's safe, because you tested it. And here's the thing. We don't get to test sin. It, it doesn't work that way. So let me, let, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever sinned? Raise your hand if you're like, yep, I've done that. I've, I've sinned. Some of you. Okay, not all of you, but some. All right. <laughs> now, raise your hand again if it was fun. Okay, some of you weren't doing it right. Okay? Um, <laughs> it's fun. And some of you are like, no, it's not. It, it is. And I have a verse to back that up so I know that it is. Hebrews eleven twenty four, 24, in talking about sin, says this. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of Israel, along with the people of God, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Sin is fun. But what we want to do is we want to we check it. Like, is this okay? We want to just try. Like, like, does this work? Is it all right? But that doesn't work with sin. It doesn't. If every lie we ever told, we instantly were discovered, like, and just got smoked for it, we would never lie again. That first lie you ever told, you'd be like, oh, it didn't work. Like, that was just a bad idea. But it worked. You got out of that little bit of trouble. And maybe you never even got caught. Or maybe you were like the little kid who said, I didn't eat the chocolate, and it's all over your face and clothes and hands, and you're like, honestly, I didn't do it. I've got five kids. Every one of them have done that at least one time. You're like, it's all over. No, I didn't. You're like, you're too, but man, I'm like, seriously, it's all, you can taste it. It's all over your face so much, and they, they don't get it. Some of that we do not understand. That is by design. That, that's intentional. It is intentional that we don't just immediately realize this is bad or we would never do it. I heard about an, a, uh, an old Indian trick I just thought was really cool. And it was, it was this. They said, if there were ducks in a, in a river, I had a really cool way of catching them. This is what they would do. They'd take a pumpkin and they'd go upstream with some pumpkins. And they'd put the pumpkin in the stream, they'd put the pumpkin in the river, and it would flow down. And the first time it came by the ducks, the ducks would take off and fly and land back down. They'd send another pumpkin. The ducks, ducks would take off again and they'd fly and land back down. And then send another pumpkin down. And this time the ducks are like, seriously, it's a pumpkin. And so they kind of fly, and some of them fly, and one that's bold is just like, I'm not going anywhere. Just kind of wades. This is my duck thing. I don't know. This is wading in the water. It's just like, whatever. Well, it kind of goes off to the side and it waits. 
And the other ducks see that nothing happened when that duck stayed, and so they send another pumpkin down. And so the ducks just kind of move off to the side. The pumpkin comes down. By the seventh or eighth pumpkin, these ducks, they, they see him coming, and they're just like, okay. And so they don't just kind of, they just do their thing. And that's when the whole game changes, because now, see, nothing has happened, and they're used to it. So then, the Indian grabs a little bit bigger pumpkin, and the inside is hollowed out, puts it over his head, wades down in the water, and then flows downstream, just like that other pumpkin did. But this time, he goes right up to the duck, and grabs its legs, bloop, 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 and there's dinner. He's got him. Because what happened? Nothing happened when the first pumpkin came by. We just get used to it. And here's the thing. We can do that same thing in our lives. Where nothing happens. Where we think, okay, I know I'm not supposed to. I know God's word says this. But I think this might work. I know the Bible says to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers and that really if I'm going to be dating somebody, it, it needs to be a believer, but, but they're so nice and good looking and nice and they smell nice. This is just so great and I, I, I think it'll be okay and, and we've been, been hanging out, we've been friends for so long and this is great, but, but I think we'll be okay. If we immediately paid the price, if we immediately saw the ramifications of our actions and, and if we could immediately see it, we would never do it. The fighting over how to raise kids and what's happening and what they're telling the kids that you love and you're telling them something different and the argument and how you want to go to God's word and say, well, that doesn't matter and I don't care and, and, and the conflict that happens years and years down the road because we didn't, we didn't listen. Because right away, it's easy and you're like, it's, 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 it's fun. It's fun. It really is. And there's a whole lot of different things you can, you can kind of take that into. It's the, the website you go to that you know you probably shouldn't be at, but you're like, you know, I'm just going to. You justify it however you do, and, and you go, and you're like, there. But what you don't realize you just did is you fed lust. And lust isn't like love. It's completely different. Lust is always hungry but never satisfied. It always wants more. And now you want more, and after that you want more and 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 more. And I can just, can I just repeat, more and more. It goes. That's what lust is. Ezekiel, if there's ever a verse I wouldn't read in church, it's, it's, it's Ezekiel, talks about lust in Ezekiel 23 and what it does. It's, just, it's, it's never, ever satisfied. It's what I have isn't enough. What I had before was what I was missing, and that's what I need. And no, I need what I see in this picture. And I, I, I need to see that, that that's what I need. I need this. It's never satisfied. And we think, had I known that this is where it was going to take me, I would never have done that. I would have stopped so much sooner, but that's what sin does, is it always keeps you longer than you want to stay and costs you more than you want to pay. But at ne it's always got to like kind of look good at first, and that's what it does, and that's why this is such a deadly trap, is because we think, I'll just give this a try. But like 
I like no-bake cookies. They are delicious. Okay, they're like, they're like one of my favorites. I like them when they're hot. Okay, they don't come out of the oven because they're no-bake, and typically I say that, but it's, it's not. But you, you, like, you melt all the sugar because there's so much sugar in these things. It's really sugar oatmeal, and like, yeah, it's just delicious. They're good. I love them. Okay, I will eat them, and I'm like, I don't feel good, but they're, and I'll eat another one. And they're hot, and, and you know, that's, that's when they're best, is, is when they're still hot, and you're burning your mouth, and you need the, cho- the milk to put out the fire because it's so hot, and they taste so good. And, and I'll eat way too many, and then I'm like, oh, I knew this was coming. It doesn't feel good. I'm all right. But here's the thing. If every no-bake I ate, like all of a sudden I was like, oh, well, my butt just got bigger. <laughs> like, what just happened here? You want to know what I would not do? I'd never have another one. If I instantly saw the effect that no-bakes had on my body, like, oh, well, that's gone. Well, I got a little jiggle. I'd stop. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing it. But here's the thing. We know what it can do. We know, absolutely. And and the reverse is true as well. If every time I did a crunch, I got another ab, I'd have an 88-pack, okay? That's what it would be. But that's not how it works. But that is how it works. But it's these small things that add up over time, consistently, over and over and over. And that's how the devil gets us, is it's this, we test the ice of sin, we step out, we say, you know what? Nothing seems to be happening. It, it, it seems to be working. It seems to be okay. This relationship, it's, it's all right. I'm leaning out of my marriage, and I'm, I'm kind of just, I, I'm flirty-ish with this other person, but honestly, it's not really flirting, and it seems to be okay, and everything is good until we, we, we just take another step, and then we take another step, and then we take another step. And the devil's like, they're getting farther and farther from shore. It's the trap of, if nothing bad happened, then it's okay. But the truth is, here's what we have, is we have God's word as a guide to tell us so we don't have to just run out there. Is we have God's word. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And it's meant to tell us and to keep us from harm. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what he wants for us. It's good. And if I believe and know that, then I want to know what God's word has to say so I can avoid the pitfalls that I would otherwise miss. That's what it's for. The van. On the way here, I look down and I notice it says, check engine light. Not, excuse me, not the check engine, but change oil soon. It's like what it kind of says on it. I'm like, oh, okay. Now that's telling me something, right? Now if I ignore that today, is it going to do anything? It says soon. It doesn't say now. And every time I see it, it just says soon. So like really, it's never telling me to check, like to actually change it. Like I might be okay for a week or two, depending on how far I'm driving. But I'm going to pay for it, aren't I? Eventually, it's going to happen. It's eventually going to happen. You're going to be driving down the road. Maybe you're pulling a trailer. Maybe this happened to me. Maybe this happened to somebody else. And you're cruising down the road, and everything seems to be just fine. And then the car feels just a little funny. And you're like, what's going on? This just doesn't feel right. And you look down, and all of a sudden, every light on the dash is like, Christmas time. It's, it's, it's on. And you're like, this isn't right. And you put the car in neutral because you just sense something's not right. And when you put it in neutral, the whole thing just kind of goes, ding. 
And then you just coast to the side of 196, just past Chicago Drive in Granville. And you're like, oh no, what is this? And you're like, well, obviously I just need to restart the car. Something weird happened. And you turn the key and it just goes, Doom. and that's it. And you realize a few hundred dollars later that the oil pump went out and wasn't putting the oil where it needed to be and that your engine is toast. Now, it was a used car that I had bought, okay, and I wasn't the one that didn't change the oil. I changed it when I got it, but the damage had already been done, and when we took it apart and got in, I was like, this is what happened, and, they said, and the oil hadn't been changed. I wasn't the one. I changed the oil, okay, and since then, I really changed the oil. Well, I'm going to be on that. We're going to get that done, but that light, it told me. It's telling me right now, this is something I need to do, and I know what's going to happen if I don't. That's what God's word is meant to be. It's to be that lamp that says, hey, this is how we need to act. If you don't forgive, you're going to be the one that hurts. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and wanting somebody else to die. It, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And God's word says we need to forgive. So we decide, we're like, I'm going to do that. I, I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to fall into that trap of, well, I, I'm just not going to forgive him. And I'm, you know, this is just my thing. No, we have God's word. So we say, this is what I'm going to do. Galatians 6, 7 says this. It says, do not be deceived. Anytime you read that in the Bible, like every time I read that in my Bible, I got a little blue pen and I circle it because wherever it says don't be deceived is, is places that we get deceived. It says, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Sin is fun for a season but then it's not anymore. I like, I like a good burger. A good venison burger is like one of just the greatest things ever. Uh, that's, that's just what I eat. I, I, I would eat them every single day. If you have a venison burger on bread, not buns. Buns are just like the butt end of the bread. Okay, why would you like make, anyway, that's like, and they sell them to us, and we don't like them any other time. I know because my kids are always leaving it, but anyway, so give me bread. It's going to be a burger, it's going to have ketchup, a lot of ketchup. I love this stuff. We're going to have ketchup on there. It's going to have lettuce. It's going to be, man, it's going to be really, I love that. Cheese, absolutely. But here's the deal. I like burgers. I have never had a burger that I'd pay 100 bucks for. I've never had a burger I'd pay 50 bucks for. I'll go out to eat and see they want to charge me 8 bucks, and I'm like, really? I'm going to go home. I got this at home. This is good. But here's what sin is. Sin is that burger that you don't have to pay for until later, but you eat it, and then suddenly you get the bill. It's a $100,000 burger, and you say, no matter how good that burger was, it's not worth this. It's not worth this. It's not worth the relationships that got torn apart. It's not worth the trust and, and getting thrown out of my office and, and the people that don't trust me anymore because of things that I said. It's not worth the gossiping and, and now people not being able to come, and you want to speak lives and you want to help them, but nobody will even, they know that you're a revolving door, that whatever they tell you, they might, it's a loudspeaker to everybody else around. And like, I'm not going to talk to you about this. And you're like, well, I have wisdom. I'd love to share. And, and it's eroded and it's gone. The price that we pay, you're like, well, is too much. So take the time. Say, God, I'm going to use your word. Don't fall into the trap of, well, it, it seems to be okay right now because sin is fun for a season but it always costs you more than you want to pay and keeps you more than you want to stay. 
Next trap that we're going to cover is this one. If you're not married, there's something wrong with you. Doesn't matter how old you are, young you are, this is something that we see our society has, I think the devil uses like crazy. And at every stage of our lives, the devil wants us to be dissatisfied. At whatever stage of life you're in, he wants you thinking you're in the wrong stage. You need to be in what's next. What, what's next is what you need, whatever that is. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 7.32. It says, I want you to be free from concerns of life. It says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him, talking about God. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Verse 34, his interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married, now he's talking about a widow, or has never been married, can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. He says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. He says, I want you to do whatever will be helpful, will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Basically, what this spells out, it says, for those of us who are not married yet, or just you're like, you know, I just don't think that's for me. Good, then maximize your singleness for the kingdom of God. He says, that's where your focus can be. You're not like, well, my, my wife needs this, my husband needs this, and, and this is what we're doing together, or this is where we need, but this is where you can be wholeheartedly sold out for God. Whether this is something you're like, you know, one day I will get married, or you're not yet. You say, I'm going to serve God wholeheartedly right now, and don't let the devil deceive you into being discontent where you are right now, and just spend all your trying, time trying to not be single. Because here's the truth. The Bible says that you are complete through your union with Christ. So you're not missing something else. You're not a half looking for your other. I'm a half thing. I need to be whole. No. The Bible says that the two become one. Not halves become one. It's, it's two becoming one. Don't be dissatisfied in the stage where you are. Marriage is great. It is awesome. Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. It is great. I love being married. And uh, Becca asked me a while back, she's like, she said, you know, if, if I was to die, I'm like, don't go there. Like, really? Why are we doing this? I just, I'm like, I know this is a lose-lose situation. Just, just I'm, I'm already lose, like, whatever, I'm sorry. I don't know what for, but what are we doing? And she's like, no, if I was, if I was to die, she said, would, would you get married again? And I'm like, no. And she's like, really? You wouldn't? Because studies show that the people who do want to get married again, it's because their marriages were healthy and they enjoyed them. I'm like, see, I knew this was a lose-lose. I knew that's what this was. But I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's not the case. I do love being married to you. I said, but I won the lotto with you. I'm like, that's not happening twice. Like, you are it. There's not another one. This is it. Marriage is great, and I, and I do. I absolutely love it, and I'm not trying to downplay it at all. I have a wife. I think every guy should have one. It's the best. But this one's mine, and you get what you get. But this, I got, the, I got mine. But. We are not, you are not a half. You're not, if you're single, you're not married yet, it doesn't matter how old you are yet. 
It's not something you're waiting for, you graduate to. You're complete through your union with Christ, and use this time to serve God wholeheartedly. Don't use the time to seek out, well, this is all that I need. Be in the right places, that's great. That is absolute, a great, be in the right places to be found. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. It doesn't say those who I drop a spouse into their lap. It says finds a wife, finds. Like the, you're, you, to find something, you're usually looking for it. I don't find things I'm not looking for. Like, I, I don't. My kids love Legos. So what, we do, what do we do? They put all of their sets in one giant pile, and there's tons of them, but we need one piece. And we're digging through this whole thing, trying to find one piece. And it's absolutely amazing. And I don't know what it is, if all my kids are geniuses and, or what, but it's, I'm over and over, they're like, well, there's only one of these. And they know how many of the certain pieces we have. And they're like, there's only one, so this is going to be hard to find, Dad. Will you help me? I'm like, how do you know? And they, they, they're like, well, it's this, that, and there. I'm like, okay, let's go. So we dig through there. It drives me nuts. But I've never gone down there and been like, okay, this is what I'm looking for, and had the piece jump into my lap. They don't. I've had them where sometimes they're a little bit easier to find, where you start looking right here, and, and John has just told me, um, yeah, there's only one of them, Dad, and this is what it looks like, and it's this big, but we need it, and it needs to be light blue. And so you're digging through it, and you find it. There's other times where we spend hours, hours. We stayed up way too late one I know I spent three hours looking for one single piece. And you're like, I didn't know we had this many legs. I'm like, what is this? This is a problem. But you have to find it. So yeah, I do think be in the right area. If you're single and you say, hey, I think singleness forever is not my thing, then yeah, I would encourage you, be at church. Meet some church people and say, okay, well, where can we go? And is there this? And what can I do to get around some people who are like-minded? And Absolutely. But here's the thing. Do not become discontent with where you are, the stage of life, the area, the arena that you're in now. Next trap I want to get to is this one. Number three is... You're going to church, you read your Bible, that's what it means to be a Christian. I think this one is huge because this is what it does, is it takes a arm to the teeth, ready to kick the devil's butt, face, and everything in between, child of God, and disarms them and says, this is what being a Christian is. It's reading your Bible and going to church. It just disarms them. I'm like, okay, I'll just do this and do that. Because here's, here's the truth. Going to church makes you a Christian as much as living in a barn makes you a cow. It doesn't. Now, don't get me wrong. Cows belong in barns, and Christians should be in churches. But that does not make you a Christian. James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. We need to be doers of God's word, taking what we know and begin to apply it and do it in our life, in our marriage, in our home, in the way that we're raising our kids, in the way that we're running our businesses, in the way that we're working for our bosses, the way that we're interacting with our neighbors. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's supposed to make a difference in what, you're, in what it is that we're doing James 2.19 says it again this way. Are there still some among you who hold that only believing is enough? 
believing in one God? Well, remember this. Demons believe this too. So strongly that they tremble, tremble in terror. Fool, when will you ever learn that believing is useless without doing what God wants you to? Faith that does not result in good deeds is not real faith. The things that we truly believe have to cause action. They cannot be just words that we say. I love words. I love it when Becca tells me that she loves me, but it needs to be more than just words. If that's all that it is, I'm not going to believe her anymore. If that's all that it is, if she treats me poorly and doesn't want to spend time with me and doesn't want to sleep with me and doesn't want to be in the same room as me, I'm, I'm not, and she can say she loves me all she wants. I'm like, well, I, I, don't, I don't believe you. But when she tells me she loves me, and, and she does, she likes to be around me, and sometimes she likes to be too close to me, and I'm like, you're kind of warm, and <laughs> she's looking at me like, I've never done that in our entire life. There's five things out there that say otherwise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But there's, there needs to be action that, that lines up with the words that we're saying. And it's the exact same in God's word. He says the same thing. He says, don't merely deceive yourself. And don't let the devil trick you into thinking that you being a believer is you going to church, reading your Bible, then you're going to die one day and you'll go to heaven. It's living a life right now. That's why I absolutely love growth track. It's starting in just a couple weeks where you go, you discover God more about him. The number one thing that every one of us need is we need a relationship with God. And it's like, okay, know God, find your gifts, the giftings that God has put in you spiritually and naturally, and then make a difference. How to use them to build the kingdom of God, how to use them in the church and in your world. It's make a difference. It's not just come and go. It's not just, I read a book, there, I did it. It's great to check something off a list and be like, I did it, but if that's all you're doing, it's not going to change you, and you're going to be deceived. The Bible says, you fool. That doesn't cut it. That doesn't do it. But when we begin to take action, and we say, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to walk in love towards those people around me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to love my spouse. I'm going to lay down my life for them. I'm going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve those that are around me. I'm going to use my gifts and talents. And we begin to do that. Things change. It's not just coming. It's saying, God, your word is the standard, and I want to live up to that. I'm going to live up to that with everything that I have. John 14, 16 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not about going to church. It's a relationship with God. Romans 10.9 says it like this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. It's not, I did this. But it's God, I believe that what your word says is true, and I'm going to begin to live it out. We accept him. We accept the substitute that he became for us. And we begin to live that out in our every day. So we can walk in the power that he wants for us. Jeremiah 2011, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That 
is for you. We begin to walk that out by making Jesus the Lord of our life. And we say, God, I want to know what your word says. I'm going to begin to do that every day. Well, real quick, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're about to close the service. I want to ask, is there anybody here that you say, you know what? I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to know. Maybe you, you, you've been to church. Maybe you've read your Bible. You've done these, these Christian things, but you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I was says, with your heart we believe, and then with our mouth we confess that Jesus is Lord. If that's you, and you say, I want that. I may have gone through some motions, but today I'm going to make it real, and I'm going to make it personal. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you stand up. You don't walk up. But what I would love you to do is to, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And then right in your seat, we're all going to pray together. And when we say amen, you're going to know that you're, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you're on your way to heaven. Begin to walk, at, walk in a relationship with God. So if that's you, with every head bowed, then on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand up. And you're saying, God, I want you in my life. I make you Lord of all. This isn't something that I'm just motions that I'm walking through, but I'm making this personal with you. If this is your first time where you say, you know, today I'm coming back. I'm gonna, I, I, I've walked away from God. I've been doing my own thing, but I want to surrender to him, and I want to live life his way. I believe that what he has for me is so much better. I want what he has for me. If you're either of those, then on the count of three, just lift your hands up. One, two, three. Lift your hands. Say, that's me. Today is my day. Thank you. Who else says, today is my day? I'm leaving here knowing exactly where I stand with God. I'm going to be forgiven, set free. I want that relationship with him. Awesome. Okay, everybody just put your hands down if you would. And then everybody in here, would you just repeat after me? Let's say this prayer together. And those that lifted your hand, as you say this prayer, make these words your own. But everybody, just repeat after me, please. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I will serve you. God, forgive me and make me new. Devil, you lost me. And God, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.